Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you. Mega, mega, mega. 
What a song, what a song. We got the music in you, everybody. Hello and happy Tuesday. I hope you all had a great weekend. Um, thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. This is Rory Sodder, your host, as always. Uh, first and foremost, what I want to do um, is obviously I, I have my co-host, uh, Josh Halabadi, on the line. How are you, buddy, out of Ohio? What's going on? How's this going, my man? How's it going? Excellent, man. Great to have you back. Um, I do want to uh, take a moment of silence. Uh, the first thing uh, that's the most important for everybody who lost their lives, uh, you know, 17 years ago today, uh, 9-11. What a uh, tragic event. Uh, 3,000, almost 3,000 lives lost and uh, just complete uh, acts of evil that, you know, we – in a lot of ways, did not see coming and uh, caught a lot of people by surprise. And you have all this, you know, devastation and family members that lost their loved ones. I mean, it's it's a uh, tough thing. And every year, uh, you know, it really um, strikes me. It really uh, hits me hard. And I feel for these people and I feel for every for what they've lost. And uh, it's, it's terrible. But uh, everybody, please um, take a moment of silence. Amen. God bless that. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a, uh, what a day it's been. Um, a lot of different flashbacks, uh, from, you know, the towers and the, the whole event. Uh, I watched a lot of different documentaries, uh, different, uh, conspiracy theories, uh, different things, you know, that relate to, I mean, there's so many things that unfortunately don't add up, uh, in certain aspects. Uh, just like the Vegas shooting, there's things that our our government has not told us. I mean, there's things that the government has hidden about 9/11, even stuff from victims' families, which is scary as hell. Um, and victims' families can't even get to the bottom of some stuff. Um, but Josh, I want you to speak on 9/11 just about it real quick. I know you, you know, you are very into history. You are very into politics. I mean, this day obviously has an impact on you, and uh, you feel for these victims. Yeah, you know, so I was, uh, you know, three years old when it happened, so I didn't feel the actual impact of it, but I've done, I was in, you know, I, my I was parents, in fifth grade. I was in fifth grade. Uh, I remember. It's crazy, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, my, you know, my parents always told, you know, because they remember right wherever, you know, right where they were, and, you know, apparently I was getting my hair cut at the time. I don't remember, obviously, but, um, you know, one thing, uh, you know, I, I've gone back and I've watched some documentaries about it and watched, you know, the footage we have of it and watched, obviously, uh, President uh, Bush speaking, you know, after it. And, yeah. you know, it was the thing that I take from it the most is that, in my opinion, that was the last time that our country was really united as one right. underneath that flag. And, you know, sadly, it, you know, I've heard people joke that it would, uh, you know, that it would take the aliens coming to get any of us to unite. Um, but, you know, there's, there was something... Although in the wake of tragedy, there's something beautiful about being American in that yeah. where, you know, most people will bond together, you know, arm, arm in arm and, uh, you know, go to support the country. Even, uh, you know, I don't know if that would happen today, but, you know, back then it did. And, um, you know, I still like to look back in an awe of just the response that our country had to that of not to be defeated, but to right. you know, rise above it and go after those bastards. 
Oh, absolutely, 100%. And, and you make a very excellent point, and I, and I wanted to point this out, uh, but you, you, you hit the, the green light perfectly. It was not about politics that day. It was not about, uh, you know, what, who believed what. or ev- Everybody and anybody came together to help each other out. To, to, to unite, to assist one another. Uh, we, we were all Americans that day, and that was truly a very special uh, moment that uh, is so profound and can't even put into words. And uh, you, you had, I mean, yeah, and it, it was a beautiful thing. It really was. Um, and, uh, you know, we are going to be talking a lot about this tonight. Um, I do want to, as always, the beginning of the show, I want to thank all my guests um, that are going to be coming on tonight. I want to thank uh, everyone from last week. Uh, we had a great shows last week. Um, I know I know you all enjoyed them. I want to thank all of my audience. Like I said, we are now downloadable and listened to in 14 different countries. Um, we want, I want to thank the sponsors. I want to thank um, my co-hosts, as always. Um, but today's show is very exciting. Uh, we have oil and natural gas investor, foreign policy analysis, business businessman, motivational speaker, radical Islam expert, and a contributor to Daily Caller, Daily Caller, Clash Daily, Lives That Daily Surge, and The Hill. Uh, one of our favorite man, one of our favorite guys, uh, Dan Perkins, will be calling in. The uh, the, the master. Um, we will also be having call in uh, economist, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, writer for Town Hall, writer for Newsmax, writer for LiveZet, and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey. Dr. Michael Bussler will be calling in. Uh, he's always a pleasure to talk to. Um, we will be having, as well, uh, leaders of Blacks for Trump. Uh, the leader of Blacks for Trump will be calling in tonight. He wants to talk about some 9-11 conspiracies. He wants to talk about different things that are going on in our government. Uh, you know that he's considering, uh, you know, calling Valkyrie, and uh, he want, he has a lot of different things with the Canaanites and the white Gentiles. He has a lot of stuff to explain about uh, apparently history. I mean, he got into really deep uh, conversation with me kind of over the phone today about not really deep, but kind of kind of you know uh, what he thought it was. And uh, we've heard him on the show many times of you know it, it, it and it is true. You know, some of the stuff he says, he makes some good points. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear from him. We, he's always extremely uh, fun to talk to and entertaining, right, Josh? Yeah, I mean, you know what I love about him the most is he always takes an angle. You know, Dan Perkins takes a different angle, but he takes a completely different angle that it's, you right. know, it almost catches you off guard, but it's always entertaining. And it's absolutely incredible how he remembers and memorizes Bible verses. You know, it's uh, he remembers them like – you know, I, like the back of his head. Uh, he's very impressive. And, uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of what's happening uh, right now on our in our society and, you know, in our country and everywhere, it has to do with the Bible. In a lot of ways, uh, leaders of Blacks for Trump is right. Um, you know, there are some things uh, that, you know, uh, people will disagree with him on, uh, of course. I've had some, you know, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people love him, but there are some things people disagree with him on, which is fine. Um but let's let's get to something real quick. I'm a big fan of uh, John Boyd, who is a fantastic actor, a conservative, big Trump supporter. And for those who don't know, uh, he's Angelina Jolie's father. Um, and uh, he's been in the Hollywood scene for many, many years. He won an, uh, he won an Oscar even. 
so uh, he uh, gave a great interview the other night with um, uh, Mark Levine, um, who hosts uh, the, the great show on Fox News, and he's also on CRTV. But I want everybody to listen to this. And John Boyd puts it, hits it right on point of what the media and what people are doing to Trump and how there's all this animosity and all of this, you know, extreme uh, hostility uh, and, and anger to get this guy out of office for no reason. I mean, you got to hear this. Uh, one five. So you supported Donald Trump early, John Voigt. Yep. You said there's two reasons. One, you like the fact that he had clarity and he fought. Right. Fought back. What was the second reason? Well, there's a, there's a, there were several things in there, but uh, the one of the things that that made him separated him from, from all the rest was the fact that he had enough money to to run his campaign. And he didn't have to seek huge amounts of funds for his re-election to keep somebody in his pocket so he could always have that cash to run on. Now, this area is a very tough one for for people who are in politics. It's a, it's, it should be looked at. It should be repaired because uh, it's a... It's gone way beyond what it should. You know, the amount of money that these, that even local politicians have to raise, is out of line. Now you like that he was self-funding. He was self-funding, and and that meant that he wouldn't have anybody that he had to, uh, you know, uh, that was, that he had to appeal to in his decisions, which would have to be very strong and tough decisions. Somebody had to be, he had to be, have a lot of courage. Well, he certainly seemed to have a lot of courage. And he didn't have that other thing. So he, all of these people have to, they have, I can see in the decisions, I know some of these people. Some of these politicians, good guys, who are beholding to, you know, some of the people that they've uh, connected to, to run their campaigns, and they're bending in those, in their you know, supporter, non-supporter, this or that. The decisions are being swayed by by this relationship. He didn't have it. What, what do you make of the virulence of the attacks against him? Is this the old left that you that you left in the media now? In well, it certainly is the left doing it. Uh, and the virulence is because he's effective. That's that's what the virulence comes from. He's actually doing what he said he would do. Amazing thing in itself, isn't it? But he's actually accomplishing, returning to our basic principles of government that were given to us by those guys on the wall there. Right? He's accomplishing it, and they're in disarray. He's one by one picking out the stuff that's the weeds. And they are the weeds, and so this is their dying breath. They have to, they have to stop him somehow. So you see these very extraordinary things that they come up with. That's what they do. They're conjuring lies and slanders against this man, trying to to destroy this presidency. It's that simple. When you talk to me like this, and it's going to be seen all over the country, including way back in Hollywood. Do people come up to you and say, John, what's what's going on? John, uh, you're going to hurt your career. Or is it, we expect this from John Voight. It's well known now that he's a 
well, that's an outspoken patriot, conservative. Yeah. yeah. Well, you get a little of everything, of course. You also get guys that come up to you and say, hey, Johnny, great, keep going, will you? Other actors? Yes, other actors, you know, people in the business. Yeah. I, I get a lot of support from people I, I appreciate, who's, who I respect. So it's, it's not all one way. And also, yeah. you know, I like my peers. I like them. We're in the same industry. I understand them. But do they like you? Well, it's not so important to me. You <laughs> see what I mean? That's not important to me. Yeah. I mean, it, may, it may be important to me if I require, you know, uh, work. <laughs> but there's enough people around who are of a conservative nature. Uh, but uh, but Hollywood has been inf infiltrated. Why? Because they're important. That's why the left is focused on Hollywood. That's why they're focused on our universities. And that's why, you know, and if you can look at the, that uh, subculture of the left, they know exactly what they're doing. You know, they've organized, you know, and, and been very effective. So we have a big job on our hands mm -hmm. because our children are not being raised to appreciate our great, the, the greatness of our country, the greatness of our founding, you know, principles. And thank God for Mark Levin. He is the, the watchman over this treasure. And the, a person who can explain the beauty of it and knows exactly what has, the, where the attacks have chipped away at it, too. Because we have to get all that back. God, I love John Voight. I mean, he is he is fantastic, and he even spoke at uh, President Trump's inauguration. And uh, I'll tell you, this guy I've always been a fan of, and uh, he's also uh, happens to be in one of my favorite TV shows, and I'm sure many people have seen it. It's on Showtime. It's called Ray Donovan. Such a great show. Um, but I do uh, I want to get your thoughts, Josh. I know you have thoughts on that video, but I do want to welcome Dan Perkins, Famous guest, oil and natural gas investor, foreign policy analysis, businessman, motivational speaker, radical Islam expert, and a contributor to Daily Caller, Clash Daily, Live Set, Daily Surge, and The Hill. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Thank you for having me on, sir. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Um, always a pleasure. You're a great friend of the show. Um, we were just listening to John Voight, who, who absolutely has great insight on, uh, you know, what's going on in the political realm, uh, you know, with all these attacks on President Trump and how the liberal left in Hollywood kind of operates. And, you know, he was explaining a lot of different things. But, uh, Josh, I want to get your thoughts real quick. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just nice that we have somebody kind of backing us in Hollywood right now, you know, because it's kind of a genre that, like, for instance, I was just in Florida filming a sitcom, and all those people there were conservatives, but they talk about how, they're the, some of the only people that they know, and when they take stands and stuff, they lose jobs. So it's important that we have someone who's almost established, who's past the realm of, you know, I need to make money, that can actually, like, say their opinion, opinions without being punished. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, Dan, I, I don't know if you watched that interview, uh, but it was a fantastic interview the other night with uh, John Voight and uh, Mark Levin. Uh, on Fox News. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. Yeah, it was great. Very, 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 um, very well done. Um, so yeah. we got I, a lot to talk. Go ahead. Sorry. I just wanted to comment on the clip. Um, yeah. 
just to reinforce from a different perspective. Uh oh, there's that. And word by the again. way, uh, real quick. By the way, I, I did not play that this, the part of the clip where uh, Mark Levin and I'm going to let you finish, Dan. Sorry, I just want to say one thing, quick thing. Mark Levin asked uh, and kind of talked to uh, John Voigt last night, and John Voigt used to be a liberal in like the 60s and 70s or part of the 70s. Very, and then he turned into conservative because he saw what was going on and he saw the reality. And uh, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. But go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. I, I just want to follow up because I think he was making a point, although I didn't think he went quite far enough. But the Democrats have been for 40 years or longer yeah. have been working to infiltrate the news media, the entertainment yep. media, and the, yep. and the colleges, universities, and elementary schools. So that yeah. they, they have really – they have taken over the influence of young people – in their, as somebody once said, their mushy minds, and they have they dominate that area. Uh, and and while I agree with Mr. Voigt, we have to take it back. It is going to be a very long and charging battle. And I wonder, quite honestly, whether the Republicans have the stomach to fight. Oh yeah, I mean, of course they do. I mean, we we never stop fighting. Yeah, but you, but I, mean, I, I would I I you know, I disagree with you. I disagree with you because if you look at what is it that has made Donald Trump different than any other Republican president or any other Republican leader? The thing that makes funded, Donald Trump different is that he, he, funds, he funds himself he, and he makes his own decision and he can't be controlled. Okay, but but another way to say that is he doesn't follow the Democratic agenda. Exactly. If you look at the last two last two Republican presidents, the two Bushes, yeah. what you're yep. looking at is a Republican and a demeanor. Look at John McCain. Look, look, look at Mitt Romney. They whether they were in power or not, we know that that Mitt Romney had a Barack Obama on the ropes, and he refused he refused to finish him off. The Democrats have controlled the agenda whether they're in power or not. And what Donald Trump changed when he came in is that he got control of the agenda. And that's what all all this crap is about, is that they've lost control of the agenda. And they haven't figured out a way to get rid of Mr. Trump and therefore to get back on the agenda. You're absolutely absolutely right. And, uh, you know, I do want to play a clip real quick about – you know, the Trump op-ed, uh, you know, him – I, I want to play this, and I want to get your thoughts. This is very important. Uh, one seven. Folks here may have seen an anonymous column written in the New York Times. And I think this audience would say that an attack on you is an attack on the people that voted for you. Yeah. Are you – are you any closer to knowing who did it and what should be done if you find out who did it? Well, number one, the Times should never have done that, because really what they've done is virtually, you know, it's treason. You can call it a lot of things. But to think that you have somebody in all of the cabinet, so many people, as you know, they came forward, they're writing editorials. They're all saying, you know, it's got to be at a fairly low level, because so many people today, I was just coming out, and I see all the people that are saying such great things. We have a lot of love in the administration. And the White House is truly, as you would say, a well-oiled machine. It is working so well. And 
You know, we have, I heard you say yesterday, we have thousands of people that in theory could qualify. So they take one person out of thousands, but what's unfair, I don't mind when they write a book and they make lies because it gets discredited. We just discredited the last one. We discredited all of them because it's lies. But I, I'll tell you, when somebody writes and you can't discredit because you have no idea who they are, Usually you'll find out it's a background that was bad. It may not be a Republican. It may not be a conservative. It may be a deep state person that's been there a long time. You don't know where. It's a very unfair thing. But it's very unfair to our country and to the millions of people that voted really for us. They voted for us. Certainly, guys, a crowd undeterred. Uh, they are a lot of... So there you have it. Uh, you know, we are, you know, it just goes back with, to what John Boyd and, and what Dan was saying. And, you know, what we were all saying is all the slander and this op-ed last week was just another uh, BS piece. Uh, it's the same sort of thing as Bob Woodward's uh, fictional book and, and uh, the guy that wrote Fire and Fury, whatever the hell his name is. I mean, it's just all a bunch of gibberish and it can't be even taken seriously even a lot, a lot of left-wing people are just laughing at it and like, come on. I mean, there's, it's discredited in every single way possible. But, Dan, I want to get your thoughts. I mean, we didn't get really a chance to talk about the op-ed as much last week as we wanted to and Bob Woodward. But I've got to get to yeah, a lot of things, uh, so we'll, we'll talk about a lot of things. I'll, I'll, I'll try and be brief. You and I talked today, and, and I, I encouraged you to go back and to read the piece. And I told you that there were some things missing. First of all, if you read the piece as printed in the New York Times, there is no date. The person who wrote the op-ed didn't put a date on it. He didn't say what day or time. There is no time reference. Real quick, quick, I do want to say one thing. There was also uh, a mention that uh, Bob Woodward in his book, this is separate, Accidentally admitted that there was no Russia collusion, uh, but well, that's a separate thing. But keep going. So you can't find any date. You can't find a time frame reference. You know, it didn't say after Thanksgiving or before Christmas or before the inauguration or a year later. There's no time references. No time right. references, other right. than to say that it appears that the president is succeeding both in our national security and in the economy. So. Yep. I'm thinking as I as I've read this a zillion times, and I have a commentary that's that's under review right now on this on this very issue at Newsmax. Yes. Um, I, I I think that there is a great similarity, and this is what we talked about this afternoon. I think there's a great similarity between the context of how the Steele dossier was produced, the fake news of that, and this piece. I would not be surprised if we have – yes, we have people within the administration, but people outside the administration who were cooperative in writing this, this uh, op-ed piece. And it isn't any one particular person within the administration. There's no one a real person that actually wrote this. And I wouldn't be surprised if a great deal of it wasn't constructed by the New York Times. I have done extensive amount of search, and if you if you have listeners, uh, I, I'm 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 asking for their help. I, you know, I know you have listeners, but I'm asking for their help. Yeah, I have done every countries. every. 
I know. I've I've looked through every possible search engine that I can find. Now I may not I may not have gotten them all, but I spent days doing this. I have not find a precedent. I cannot find a unpublished or a published op-ed by an un- an unidentified author in the New York Times, especially anything in the in the political content. But I can't find any op-ed because when you go to – and I did this myself. When you go to the op-ed section and you want to respond to an op-ed, they require two pieces of information, your name and your email address, which are published when you respond to a New York Times op-ed. Now, why is it that the New York Times requires me – or you, when you want to respond to an op-ed, to put in my name and my email address, but they are willing to give space in the New York Times with unaccredited commentary. It's a, it's a conflict. So I, I, I don't see it. I said to you that I have, I have, if you read the style, and a lot of people have been talking about the style, the condescending style, the holier-than-thou, the here it comes, the Boy Scout approach leads me to only one conclusion. James Comey. James Comey. Yep, we talked about that earlier. I mean, that's uh, – you, you talk about uh, a, a huge bombshell, but at the same time, it's not very surprising. I mean, look at all the animosity and the anger and the hostility that James Comey has had towards our president since day one. Um, Josh, get your thoughts on this. I mean, you're, you're definitely curious. I can see you. Yeah. You know, one of the things Dan just made some really interesting points there. I mean, that was, I, Dan, I love the research you did there with that because that was something really, I feel like nobody really thought of specifically, but how, like, how do you even go about researching that? Cause that's, that's kind of a broad Face of, of uh, you know, research that you did. The first, real quick, because I know Josh got a lot of things I want to talk about tonight. But the the issue is you start off with it's the same kind of research that I've done in my four novels. If you if if you you start off with a question, has the New York Times ever published an op-ed uncredited? And you can't find anything. So you go from Google and you go to Bing and you go to Yahoo, and, and, you, and you go all over, and then you, then you say, okay, what's another way to say this? Has the New York Times ever published an op-ed where they didn't give the name of the author? And so you create all of these various scenarios, and you go through, and you look and see what happens. And, and sometimes it'll tell you, well, did you mean this, or did you mean that? And so it just takes an enormous amount of time and a whole series of questions that you have to ask the search engines because if it's it's like if you don't ask a nine-year-old child the question the right way, it's an automatic opportunity for them to, to lie. Okay, so if my job as an author and a researcher is to try and figure out as many possible ways to ask the question to see if I get a response, and as I said, I probably I didn't do them all. But I did a lot of the, all of the majors time and time and time again, and I've yet to find an example on a political story 
that the New York Times has ever published an op-ed that wasn't credited to a source. And but if your listeners can find one for me, I'd love to love to hear about it. But until somebody can prove to me that the New York Times has done this before, then one only can assume that this is unprecedented. And you have well, to ask the question, why? You ask the question, why? Why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And let, let, let's let's face the facts here. The New York Times is in bed with the government. They're in bed with the people in D.C. They're in bed. The New York Times, same thing with the Washington Post. These big corporations are totally, um, you know, side by side with one another. I mean, there, there's so much corruption and, and, and dirtiness going on there and so much, you know, things that are not uh, called out enough. I mean, there's and they're not recognized. I mean, there's so many – different secret loopholes that these that they take and, and just how they can leak to the media. I mean, look at what Peter Stork did. He leaked to they're, – they're not even talking about it. He leaked to the media stuff that, you know, should have never been leaked. Right. I wanted to – Josh, I just want to say one thing real quick here. Jo- jo- we lost connection with listen- Josh. I'll call right back in. But the whole Peter Stork thing, it's the same sort of thing. I mean, it's – it's nothing but corruption. Uh, agreed. And, and, and what I want you to under, want your audience to understand, if they go back to next week, if they just go to Newsmax and they do a search on Newsmax.com under my name, they will see a story that I wrote last week that got a lot of play. And, and uh, I, I know I had a terrible voice last week and I couldn't talk very well because I had yeah. a sinus infection. But I wrote a right. story on the, the ethics of journalism, the, the code right. of ethics that the journalists are supposed to follow. And I took the, the, the five or six points of the code, and I compared them against stories, and every one of the code provisions of their right. ethics that they're supposedly taught in college have all been violated. So we're dealing with people who have no ethical behavior. Now, I know that no. sounds I, I probably – I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. I should well, you're right. No. Whoa, say, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, Don't no, hold no, back no. from the truth. Don't hold back from the truth. You're right. You're absolutely right, and that's a point you need to make. But there are a lot of reporters who are, who are good reporters. We're talking about yeah, the people but, that you're talking about, the New York Times and the, and the L.A. Times and the Herald Tribune and, and the Washington Post and these, all of these left-leaning newspapers who who have had power for decades, and part of what's going on here is, again, right. caused by Mr. Trump and the, and the social media, he's become more powerful than they have, and they're still not willing to willing to admit. So they have to go more outlandish and more outlandish and more outlandish in order to try and retain or attract readers, and that's what this this whole um, op-ed was about. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we do have a lot to get to. We have a lot more guests calling in, and uh, you're going to stay on the line. Uh, We are going to have leaders of Blacks for Trump will be calling in shortly. We also have uh, professional economist and economics professor and uh, motivational speaker and uh, big writer, uh, Dr. Michael Bussler, will be calling in. Dr. Michael Bussler will be calling in shortly, uh, which I'm very excited about. And you know, Dan, I want to get. I wanted to get to this, and this is very important. And you've been writing about this for a long time. And I'm just going to transition topics, but we definitely have to get to a lot of the 9/11 stuff. But uh, out today is a new uh, piece 
basically, President Trump uh, has saluted Kim Jong-un for not using uh, the nuclear uh, missiles in the parade for the first time in many, many years. And also, Kim Jong-un has invited President Trump back for a second summit. So you're following that whole scenario very closely. You write for, you know, the biggest media outlets. And where are we with that right now? What, what's your, what's your uh, thought? Well, I'm extremely encouraged. You know, I was the one who took tremendous ridicule on China Global Network Television in 116 countries and 70 million viewers. When many, many months ago, I said when the the first announcement was made, and, and I said on the air on television that if Mr. Kim is serious, he will he will come to a summit with Donald Trump. And yeah. within four hours after I made that announcement, the, the meeting was announced. I right. said, it's, it's, it really comes down, and this is, the, this is the investor in me, Josh. It all really right. came down to money because his economy right. is in the tank big time. And even right. though that Russia and China uh, – I'm sorry. Why am I calling you Josh? It's Roy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. Anyway, so um, so he's he's Trump said he set up properly. He said this is not going to be solved in one meeting. There are going to be some things. In the, there are going to be some rough patches. Remember that he, the Kim family are the masters of the limp leg. They get you going and then they take it away, and they get you going and then they take it away. So Trump said there are going to be fits and starts. First thing to me as a veteran, the first thing that was important to me is that Kim sent remains of American soldiers who died in the Korean War that were died in prison camps were there, and he started right. sending them home. That was very important. The fact that he's not had any missile firings or any nuclear tests is a positive thing. The fact, as you just pointed out, that he didn't have any nuclear missiles or that type of missiles in the parade. All of these are signs that he's trying to say to the president, Donald Trump, and then his invitation back is, I really do want to have peace with you. He desperately wants, because he, the, the other thing is, here's the other thing that's going on that nobody's talking about. It drives me crazy. Donald Trump turned the world upside down in terms of trade, and he said, no more. We are no longer going to be the piggy bank of the world. And Kim saw what the president was doing, and he saw all the rhetoric that's coming out of the left. It'll take years to get this done. It'll never happen. Uh, millions of people are going to lose their jobs, worldwide recession, end of man, all this stuff. And yet we've got Europe coming to the table to negotiate an open trade deal. We've got Mexico, who's already come in and are close to signing. South Korea and Japan are already in the deal. Canada, balking a little bit, will probably come to the table. When all those people come to the table and negotiate free and fair trade with the United States, China is going to have no choice because all of those people that have come and made deals with the United States are all important customers to China. We, we alone represent 5% of the gross domestic product of China in the exports that they send to the United States. They're going to capitulate, and what Kim is seeing is that the world is falling in line with Mr. Trump. He wants a piece of the action because 
He wants to be able to feed his people, build his own personal bank account, develop the beachfront property. He wants to do. He wants to become westernized, and that's why he's continuing to find ways to to communicate to Mr. Trump publicly and to the American people and to the rest of the world that he's serious about denuclearization. One hundred percent. You know, I mean, this is something that has been a long time coming. Let's face it. I mean, no other mm-hmm. president has had this sort of a you know success and an achievement with this nation like President Trump has. I mean, this it could be the start of something you know extraordinary. I mean, you look at it from a no question. you know. I can, and you look at it from an economical standpoint. You look at it from a peace standpoint. You look at it from an ally standpoint. I mean, there's so many different things that could be implemented and utilized with, you know, having this relationship with North Korea. I mean, why be enemies if we can be friends? You know, love and peace. And I really believe that Kim Jong Un is different than his father and his um, grandpa in the sense that. You know, they were much more oppositional uh, than than the current uh, Kim. Uh, you know, they were um, much more uh, evil. Uh, and I, I know Kim Jong-un is very evil, but you can tell there's somewhat of a soft spot with Kim Jong-un. You can tell because look at him cuddle up with Rodman, and, and Rodman is always talking great about him. Rodman goes over there quite a bit to see him. They're friends. Uh, Rodman, I think, in, a lot of, in, in certain aspects helped uh, accommodate – uh, this meeting uh, with President Trump and Kim Jong Un, uh, and I think it, it's I think Rodman uh, hasn't gotten enough credit, and I think it's unfortunate in that sense. But you know that's a different topic. But I, I really I really have a lot of optimism. What about you? I, I do too. I do, I do too. I absolutely I, I believe that, and I think that what you're seeing is the other spinoff of this is the other nuclear rogue nation, and that is. Iran. Iran is beginning to see that the oil shipments are being shut down and that they're losing, rapidly losing market share, losing revenue, and their country's in turmoil. And and it's just, I've written about this. It's it's historic. It's historic that we have, we have the leadership of an Islamic nation who has Islam and the Quran and Sharia law are how they govern these countries, and it's it's been unchanged in in fourteen hundred year or, or six hundred years, and what's happening is that the people within the country of Iran, the Muslims, the Muslims in Iran, are rebelling against the mullahs and the imams, and they're rebelling against the government. And I think it's only a matter of time before yeah. they overthrow the government. Everybody, I do want to welcome. Six hundred year history. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I do. Everybody, I do want to welcome uh, the leader of Black for Trump, uh, Michael. How are you? Hey, how you doing, sir? Uh, great to have you on, as always. Um, but um, and we're Michael. Uh, we have a lot to get to, uh, and we're going to be talking, including a lot about nine eleven, some conspiracy theory stuff. Um, I do want to. You know, you, you you know, Dan. We both made great points about North Korea. I mean, you know, that there's hope. There's hope and there's optimism. And uh, you know, Kim no, and Kim no, Kim knows that he needs Trump 
uh, he needs Trump, and Trump's not going to play games. It's either he's going to agree to Trump's terms, and you know they're going to call it, uh, a, you know, a, a full truce, and everything's going to be, uh, you know, hand, you know, just all dandy and, and lovely, or they're going to have to play hardball. And that's that. Those are the facts. Cyrus will conquer. You know. You know what. You know what I mean. You know. Hold on one sec, Michael. But you know what I mean, Dan. Yes, sir. I do. I. 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 I, I just think. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no! Go ahead. No, I wasn't saying anything. Go ahead. Oh, I just. I just think it is. It, it is. It's a. It's a hopeful moment that maybe the world can back off. Right. And right. become a more peaceful place, and that right. because as much as the left will not willing to admit it, it's because of Donald Trump. Of course, and you know, you know, he like we've always said, he could cure cancer, and and they would still try to say, oh, what about diabetes? What about all these other things? Can he do that? Like they would never give him credit where it's earned. And it's sad, um, but let's let's move on. Um, so. You know, I do want to say uh, President Trump is doing all the proper uh, precautions and, and taking all the right steps uh, to handle uh, this crazy Hurricane Florence uh, that's coming everyone's way. And, and I do want to pray for um, everyone. Let's take a moment of silence. And, uh, you know, for these families that are going to lose their homes and going to be affected by this, they're saying it's going to be worse than Katrina. Um, it's it's bad. It's going to get bad in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia. They even said it could hit Maryland. So um, a moment of silence and a prayer to God, please. A- amen. I mean, this is this is tragic. Uh, you, this is another thing. And, and especially, you know, with all of this, with 9-11 happening today, you've got all this stuff in the news regarding these hurricanes that are about to destroy people's houses and flood the streets. They're talking about 30 inches of water. I mean, this is go- this is going to be really sad to see, and uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of uh, you know cleaning up and uh, you know re uh, reconstructing uh, you know the, the those cities and those areas and those states. I mean, it's it's sad. I mean, this is really sad. Um, I don't know if anybody has any family members in those areas, um, you know, and Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, North Carolina, and it could possibly hit Maryland. They said it even could go as far as Delaware. They said. I mean, this is this. Is I had a, I, I had a house for 18 years in Myrtle yeah. Beach, South Carolina, right, right on oh, the border nice between place. North and South. Nice place. I don't know what it's going to look like with 30 inches of water coming in, though. Now, wow. Jesus, can you can you imagine? I mean, this is, it's you know, it, no. it, it, it's going to be one of those things. I mean. It, it'll be worse than Houston. It's going to be worse than Houston. Much worse. They're, they're, yeah, I mean, they were doing – Trump did a, um, a briefing today, and, and he did a uh, interview on uh, Fox News, and he was with his uh, FEMA uh, – the guy that's uh, the director of FEMA. And uh, they you know, were talking about how this is a level four, which, which is the second to worst – uh, but level five is the worst, and they said it could get up to a level five, uh, you know, in a short time if it gets bad enough. So <laughs> nothing to play around with. So, you know, I do want to pray for everything. I mean, people's businesses, people's cars, people's houses, people's lives, uh, you know, people are refusing to leave even. There's some people refusing to evacuate despite orders 
saying, you need to get the hell out of here. Otherwise, you're at risk for your life. And, you know, obviously there will be people, uh, you know, in boats trying to save others. But these people that are staying there, uh, you know, they're taking a big chance. I mean, this is nothing to play around with. Um, I do want to welcome mm-hmm. to the show, though. We do have we do have a lot to get to. I am welcoming our next guest to the show. Um, very very smart guy, very talented guy, very great friend of the show. Uh, economist, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, writer for Town Hall, Newsmax, LiveZet, and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey. Dr. Michael Butler, how are you, sir? Hey, Rory, how you doing? I'm well. Glad to be here. It's great to have you on. Um, you know, as you were probably listening, we were just kind of uh, going over yeah. just the uh, the horrific outcome uh, that we can only imagine uh, that's going to be coming out of this terrible hurricane. Yeah, these uh, these hurricanes are nothing to mess with. I I live in New Jersey on a barrier island, and um, uh, I lived through a Hurricane Sandy here, uh, which was pretty pretty disastrous. Uh, these things oh, can yeah. uh, get a lot, a lot of water, and uh, took out the whole you know, Jersey get a lot shore, of damage. Right? I'm sorry. Didn't it take out the whole Jersey Shore? That uh, it did. Chunks of the Jersey Shore uh, got got taken out. Um, where I live, why we didn't get um, that much damage, but there was a lot of water. Um, they did evacuate the island uh, for whatever reason. I decided to stay. Uh, so uh, we, my wife and I stayed in our, our house. <clears throat> the water got, um, balls, got, got so yeah. uh, the water got so deep. Um, uh, we we couldn't leave leave the house. We couldn't couldn't get out. Um, and we were kind of there for without power for about th- three or four days. Uh, there were some people where the water got into the first floor. Uh, I know other people that stayed. The water got into the first floor. They actually had to go up on the second floor uh, to avoid the water. Um, but these things get real nasty. Uh, the smart thing to do when they tell you to leave is to leave because uh, these leave can get dead. bad. And once they tell you it's an emergency, it means that there's no um, emergency services available. So if you run into trouble, you're completely on on your own, nobody can come and and save you. So, and this one, as you said, looks like a lot of water. Uh, it's a Category Four now, which has wind speeds about 150 miles an hour. Uh, it's been lingering over the uh, ocean, and the ocean temperature is uh, in the mid 80s. And when you get the warm water, the uh, hurricane picks up a lot more uh, water. Um, and there is some evidence that it may stall right when it hits landfall. Uh, and that's why these people are looking at up to up to 30 inches of water. Uh, so this this is nasty. Uh, anybody who's uh, in the area where they say go, your best bet's to go. Yeah, I'll 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 tell you. And uh, you know, it, it's you know, Dan, you uh, you live in Florida, Dan, so you can definitely relate to a lot of these bad uh, storms. Right? I had a hurricane last year. I had a, a mandatory evacuation. I also live on a barrier island in the West coast. And when that hurricane came, came through, they evacuated the whole Island. I had to go up into, up into North Carolina, Western North Carolina to get away from the storm. So yeah, I understand that, uh, they, mother nature can be really, really, really nasty. And, uh, and, and the damages was unbelievable here. The, the FEMA trucks were wa- operating 
24-7 for months trying to get rid of debris and, and trees and houses that were blown down. It's just, it's just devastating. And um, uh, we were lucky. We didn't get the surge that they were talking about. But uh, they can be... They can have, be absolutely dis, dis, disastrous, and I, I'm concerned about not only the wall of water. I'm concerned at 50 mile an hour winds. If, if any of you have been around Washington D.C. when we have some of these storms, uh, you may have seen, and you can go on the internet and you can see pictures of the Lincoln Memorial sandbag with water very, very high surrounding the Lincoln Memorial because of the, the low water, low, low level, and how these monuments. And how the city of itself is so exposed. So it could be some serious, serious flooding in Washington, D.C. But maybe. And, Mar- maybe, and Maryland. Maybe, yeah, but Roy, maybe there's a blessing here. Maybe the hurricane will wipe out the swamp. Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> Jesus, that would be great. Wouldn't, it? wouldn't, that, be, wouldn't that be awesome? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I do want to make a couple announcements. Uh, let's see here. So we now have President Trump's economy is boosting blue-collar jobs, and uh, that came from the Washington Post, believe it or not. They decided to tell the truth for once, um, and that was a huge – yeah, imagine that. That was a huge announcement uh, yesterday, and that's it, they're booming like never seen before. Um, you know what I really think is interesting? Um, I'm going to get to it right in a second, but another thing which I love is uh, the NFL has dropped to their lowest ratings uh, in a decade. I mean, it's bad. It's getting bad in the NFL. I mean, it uh, is one of those things where, um, you know, it's a a chess pool. It's literally they're ruining and sabotaging and completely self-destruct. I mean, it's self-destruction in every single way these players. They've thrown away um, half their freaking fan base with, you know, let's face it, they're only kneeling for attention. I mean, they're, they're, it's so it's such a talking point. You know, and like I said on my show before, you've got 99% of black-on-black crime, and then you got that 1% chance or that less than 1% chance that the white cop goes after the black guy, but half the time the black guy doesn't put his hands in the air or drop his weapon or do what the cop says, and the first thing the left runs to and screams is racism, racism. I mean, come on, man! Like seriously. So you know the NFL yeah. with their purpose, with their purpose, they have no purpose. They have no merit. I mean, this, this, if they really wanted to help, they'd go to the streets of Chicago, like I said before. They would go do all of this in their spare time, but they don't. They do it on on TV. People give them attention, and, and let's face it, Colin Kaepernick was a backup quarterback when he started getting on his knees. I mean, the, Colin Kaepernick lost right. his starting spot. So, I mean, this was two years ago when this yeah. whole thing started, but it's just turned into a whole ridiculous uh, monkey mess. But, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, Roy. Let, let, let's, let's not monkey around here. Let's not monkey around. Don't monkey this up like Ron DeSantis was said. Um, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah. no, why? Uh, Roy, what well, were you saying? Sorry. I just wanted to point out to, to the audience, the, yeah. the, the Kaepernick Nike ad has, Two other people. One of them is Serena Williams. Serena oh, Williams in New York. We're going to talk about that I mean, because I want to talk about Serena Williams, but we got to get deep into that because she completely uh, acted like a fool this weekend. But keep going. I just wanted to point out that she was one of the people, of the three people in the ads, 
And yep. in her first confrontation with a judge in the U.S. Open, what came out of her mouth first and foremost? Racist. You're a feminist. You're a racist. You're just a sexist. Listen, you're playing another woman, of an, uh, another female that is, I don't know what she is. I think she's half black, half Asian, if I'm not mistaken. And she, I mean, a female and a woman of a different color skin, but somehow this judge and this guy sitting up there repping the game is a racist I mean, and an and a, and a anti-women. I mean, get the fuck out of here. I mean, she completely embarrassed herself. She, it was vile. It was hostile. She acted like a sore loser in every single aspect possible. I mean, this woman, this, 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 Serena Williams is supposed to be a role model. You know, I I think she's a great player. I think you know she's shown a lot of respect throughout her career. You know, and I but there's been a lot of times where she's shown disrespect. And you know, I do not agree with her political stances. And I think that was one of the most vile and ignorant things I've ever seen in sports. What she did on Sunday. Right, I agree. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it was uh, completely out of. Uh, out of place. She's supposed to be a professional athlete, one of the top professional athletes. Um, yeah. You know, and as such, there's a certain uh, code of decorum that's expected, and she just went way over the line on that one. And, and, and playing, you know, I'm sick of people playing the women's card, playing the race card, all that bullshit. Grow the fuck up. And you know what? This is, this is serious stuff. I mean, we have literally the left backing these people up that want to play the race card or the woman card when they don't win a battle, when they don't win an argument, when they're, you know, suddenly in a bad situation. It's this whole victim mentality that needs to stop. You know, this this is not what America was built on. This is not our principles. This is not what the rule of law stands for. This is just not what what we're about. Right. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know what, I, Dan, Michael, Blacks for Trump, you still there, buddy? Yeah, I'm I here. want to say something. Yeah, go oh. ahead. I want you to speak. I want you to speak on this Serena Williams and Colin Serena Williams thing. Like, don't you agree? It was nuts. No, I don't want to talk about Serena Williams. I want to talk about Colin Kaepernick. And the reason I want to talk about him. You talked about him last week sleep. being a Cherokee East Indian, not black guy. No, no, yeah, not only that. He is so slick in turning the black man and the white man against each other. It's the greatest trick in the world. Because white Gentiles are being uh, discriminated against as bad as black people are. And the bad part about it is we're we're both being discriminated against, but they make all of us think and believe. They make the black man say, oh, White people are not discriminated against, and they make the white guy say, oh, the black man is not being discriminated against, when both of us are being discriminated against, but by another group of people. Colin Kaepernick is an East Indian. I got the newspaper article where he said, oh, I want to apologize to black people because I am not really black. I'm an East Indian, and he's from Ghana, Africa, and his people were the ones that sold us the black Hebrews who lost the war to the Romans and ran into the west coast of Africa as refugees, and the Ghana sold us into slavery. His people sold us into slavery. Then they get over here on the ship. They stay in the master's house. They're friends with the master, and then 
these guys become police officers, and I looked up every police officer that the black people are complaining about that killed one of us in the mind unjust. And every last one of them, except for two, was absolutely, really, for real, actually East Indian. And then Colin Kaepernick is an East Indian getting on his knees to protest against white people about what his people are doing to my people. And then more to say there you go. that huh? it's not racist. Yeah. He is a racist. He, yeah, his yeah. people, the East Indians, are the racist. They were a part of the slave masters, and they are the yeah. ones that come over here to America. They become the zoning and the code enforcement officers, right. and they, they, they make white people Run, go out of business by all, giving them all these fines. They got to get all these operational licenses, business licenses, all of this regulation that they don't have to follow when they get over here. They don't pay taxes. They get $5,000 a month to run a business. And yet black people and white people go through all this bull crap. And then they got you saying something as ludicrous as it's not racism. And then when it happens to you, because all of the officers that are being shot, are not being shot by black people from America, not the people who are slaves. These people are Arabs, East Indians, and Pakistanis. These are the Ishmaelites, the same people that have us from slavery back in the biblical days. These are the bastards that do it. Michael, no, we hear Michael, no, we hear you. Just well, I, I, I do wanna Michael, I do wanna get to Don't dismiss you know, it. They're dogs. They are dogging you. And they're dogging me. And it is racism. Yes. They are the racist, not you. Yep. But just because you're not the racist, don't mean racism is not taking place because these bastards are literally shooting us down. And Blue Lives yep. Matter because it's them that are shooting my white brothers down. And I'm going to whoop their ass for it. Just, I'm going to whoop <laughs> their ass for killing Raga is not going to get whoa, away whoa. just because he appears to be a white man. He is not white. His name is Raja, and I looked up his genealogy. <laughs> he is absolutely a pure East Indian, and he shot a black man in the head sitting in the car on the side. Okay, that was in East. And Aliyah, another guy who shot a black man laying on his black with his, on his back with his hands in the air, he shot him in the thigh three times. Oh, y'all know that's a kill shot. So why do you do it? I don't know. The hell you mean you don't know? You knew what you were doing. You tried to kill that black man. And then they, I had black people, oh, man, white people kill him. I said, look up this sucker's name. He's not a nigga. He's a fan. He is not us. He's an East Indian. Look at his name, Aliada. That same dude came He's got a white mama like Obama. Right. Obama is the same nationality as those bastards. They are the Moors. And, 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 you, and you are letting them get away with it because you feel bad about, you don't know, you don't want to believe that you are racist because you are not. I had to show black people, I said, a white man, a Gentile officer would jump into a burning car, let himself die to save you. That's the nature of right. the Gentiles. But you're right. being stupid and letting them get away with this bull crap, and I'm not going to get away with it. I don't give a damn what you do. That's wrong with Trump. Right. Trump was right. mad with them. He made the same statements in 1993. Is right on my website where he was in the Wall Street Journal where he said, why do the Indians, why don't they have to pay taxes? 
understand. I'm not racist. They're the ones that are racist. Why don't why don't why don't their casinos get to stay open all night? Why is it their gas stations and, and their stores don't have no permits and operation license, but I have to have it? He said, How can I compete with them all of the advantages? That's what he said. And he said, he said, he said I'm gonna, he, this is the last part of we say one day I'm gonna become president and I'm gonna stop this crap. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> well said. Well said. And let let Michael stay on the line. We got some big topics to discuss. Uh, Dan, I uh, I want to get to you real quick, uh, and and uh, we do have a lot to get to. But uh, Dan, I want to I want to ask you, kind of going back to the um, whole Trump scenario, uh, they're likely to release. Um, what was I? They're li- they're likely to release the. Um, the uh, the FISA the FISA um, document next this week. Trump uh, and and Republicans. What are your thoughts on that? What do you think is going to be in that? Well, I I think that what we're going we're going to see uh, a, a much more detail as to just how corrupt the the Justice Department and the FBI are, and people that are still still on the government payroll, like Mr. Orr. Who are still there, even though he's been demoted, he's still drawing a, a government paycheck. However, yeah, yeah, I think it's a, it's a precursor, and I I really believe that uh, he's getting an enormous amount of pushback from Sessions at Justice and uh, Ray at the FBI up to not do this, um, because the implication is that if he does this, he sets a precedent. The president has always had the right to release and offer documents that have been redacted to have them unredacted. He's had the power to do that. But presidents in the past have chosen not to override the Justice Department and the FBI. And so my, my guess is that this is, a, this is a shot across the bow to the Democratic Party because – I believe if if the Republicans maintain control of the House in the midterm election, you will see an explosion of unredacted and released papers that the Justice Department and the FBI has been delaying, delaying, delaying for one very specific reason. They have in their mind, in their hearts, they believe that the Democrats are going to have a blue wave and they're going to take over control of the House – and that these hearings will all stop. Information won't be going to 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 the to the Republicans because they're no longer be in power. And then yeah. they'll focus on impeachment. And yeah. I I personally I said to you, Roy, on the show many times, I don't believe yeah. that there there's gonna be a blue wave. I believe that the Republicans will probably take more seats in the House and in the Senate. And yeah, me too. once that's done Katie, bar the door, because Donald Trump will have a reaffirmation that the American people want him to continue to drain the swamp, right. and it'll come out in droves, and you're going to see just how ugly yep. our government really is. There's going to be a giant red wave, and there's there's no doubt about it. I mean, they're, you know, the Democrats have no message. I mean, it's just anti-Trump rhetoric. I mean, we, we've seen it nonstop. I mean, it's just constant hate Trump, hate Trump. I mean, what are you guys hating? 
lowest black unemployment in history, lowest Asian unemployment in history, lowest Hispanic unemployment in history, lowest female unemployment in history. I mean, it goes on and on. This is absolutely incredible. We're living in a time, and, and as of today, small business consumer confidence is at an all-time high. And we are living in a time of the best economy ever. And you got all these left-wing socialists that don't want to work, and they want to march through the streets and demand money from taxpayers that they don't earn. And it's just communism, complete crap. And the left has gone so far left, there's not even a Democratic Party anymore. It might as well be called the Communist Party. But you have to understand, young man, you have to understand that they, they, the Democrats have started their last salvo. And it yep. started at the University of Illinois last week when they're done. Barack, when Barack Obama basically yep. took credit for the Trump right. economy. Oh yeah. Oh and, yeah. And, that's, and that's here, here's the, another thing. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just gonna say that's gonna be the mantra. They're, they're expecting. I said. I said an interview that I did last night. Have you ever heard of the movie or the book called The Great White Hope? It's a story about Jack Johnson, heavyweight champion of the world, black man who had a white woman for a wife, and yes. people all over the world were trying to get him defeated. Well, Barack Obama is the not the great white hope, the great black hope in a lot of right. Democrats' minds, except yeah. the, 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 the black people in the United States have quadrupled their support for Donald Trump over the election. But that's how desperate they are. They're bringing out the old failed president to try and take credit for all the things that have happened. And that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, and if the economy and everything is so bad, then why is Obama trying to take credit for it? I mean, that was a great uh, thing to bring up uh, the other day when they did it in the headlines. I mean, you're trying to take credit for something. You had, you know, unemployment. Obama, Obama had an unemployment at an all, unemployment at an all-time high. I mean, President Trump had to cut 800 of Obama's regulations uh, in order to create this uh, exquisite and perfect, uh, flawless economy. I mean, we are living in a time like never seen before. And it's funny. I want to play this quick clip. It's about a minute. But what Trump said about Obama's speech, this is funny. You got to listen. Uh, one nine. Somebody uh, very popular guy here was just interviewing me. You know who I'm talking about? Great guy. And he said, uh, what do you think of President Obama's speech? And I said, I'm sorry. I watched it, but I fell asleep. (laughs) I found he's very good. Very good for sleeping. I think he was trying to take some credit. He was trying to take credit for this incredible thing that's happening to our country. If the Democrats got in, I have to say this to President Obama, and it wasn't him, but would have been the same thing. If the Democrats got in with their agenda in November of almost two years ago, instead of having 4.2 up, I believe, honestly, you'd have 4.2 down. You'd be negative. You'd be in negative numbers right now. You'd be in negative numbers. We were heading south. And you look at those bad numbers that were there in the last couple of years. It was this way and going in the wrong direction. It was the weakest recovery in the history of our country since, I guess, to be 
totally specific because I'm not sure they've gone any further since the Great Depression in the 20s. It was the weakest recovery we've ever had. It's barely a recovery. And now this is called not recovery. This is called rocket ship. What's happened? Wow. So there you have it. There you have it. I mean, uh, Trump always has the greatest comebacks, you know, and um, it's uh, it's one of those things where, uh, God, I mean, we are living in great times. You know, it's something that bothers me. Roy, this is why, on a historical basis, presidents keep their mouth shut. And even Obama admitted, even Obama admitted, when he took over from George W., George W. basically kept his mouth shut. Now, George W. Didn't, couldn't keep his mouth shut at the funeral of John McCain and criticizing the president. But it's right. because of what happened, just the way Obama conducted himself. And as he goes, if he does a tour, if, he, if he's going to 40 cities across the country to try and bolster the Democratic opportunity in the midterm elections, and he continues to doing what he did at the University of Illinois. He's going to ruin. He's going. He's going to destroy whatever reputation he had left, because he'll be he'll be perceived to be a loser, and out of contact with the with the American people. And I I don't understand why his advisors would have ever why they would have ever told him to do that to take that kind of a political risk makes no sense to me. Right, and and you know let's let, let's right now let's debunk. The whole uh, BS of, uh, you know, the liberals are trying to make a uh, a parade out of George Papadopoulos going to jail for 14 days, and they think they're getting closer and closer to the smoking gun of, you know, Russia and all this nonsense with Trump. But, you know, and they keep coming out with – and we go back to the whole Bob Woodward thing. I mean, mean, the the stuff that he wrote in that book, I mean, complete nonsense. It's the same sort of thing as Fire and Fury. It's just slander and complete uh, defamation of character. Mm-hmm. And he even admitted openly, Woodward openly admitted that he never interviewed certain people in the book that he supposedly quoted. Yeah, and he also again he also, violation violation of the code of ethics of journalists. Violation yeah. of the code. Oh yeah, and he also he also said he accidentally mentions in the book that there was no Russia collusion. <laughs> Tell me, I mean this this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was reading an article about that on Breitbart today, but you know, uh, Michael, I want to get your whole thoughts on this, and then we need to go into the 9/11 conspiracy theories. Dr. Butler, go ahead. I tell you, I was going to uh, talk about uh, Obama taking credit for the economy, which is really my my area. Um, look, clearly, uh, the, the the reason the economy is doing so well is because Trump reversed. All of right. Obama's policies. The economy is doing well because over 800 regulations. Yeah. yeah, it's actually way more than that. There was uh, thousands of regulations that he ended up turning back. So here, here's the thing, <clears throat> um, um, and I've talked about this before. The economy had prior to Trump, the economy hadn't had three percent annual growth since the year 2005. We haven't had four percent annual growth. Since the year 2000, that's the longest period of economic stagnation, in my view, in U.S. history. Obama is the only president in U.S. history to serve a term in office without having at least one year 
with 3% growth. He had no years uh, up to 3%. And the reason is simple. His priority was not economic growth. His priority was to cure perceived social injustices. In other words, it's an injustice everybody doesn't have health care. It's an injustice that wealthy people make so much more than the average person. Um, It's an injustice that uh, uh, big business takes advantage of consumers. So everything Obama did to to cure those injustices slowed economic growth. For instance, he passed the the, Health Care Act. Now, the Health Care Act, as much as they... As much as they uh, tout it, the Health Care Act, they say, helped 20 million people, and that's true. So 85% of the population had health insurance before Obamacare. 91% had health insurance afterwards. So he's right. It helped about 6% of the population, roughly 20 million people. The problem was it, it put 23 new taxes or increased taxes that um, reduced the middle class's ability to spend money, their disposable income. That tended to slow economic growth. Then Obama in the uh, Health Care Act that said employers had to pay for health insurance for employees or pay a $3,000 fine. That increased the cost of labor to business, slows economic growth. Then Obama said, look, we had a financial crisis because Banks were giving mortgages to people who freely applied for them, by the way, but banks were giving mortgages to people who they shouldn't have given them to. So we're going to pass the the Dodd-Frank bill to end this predatory lending. Well, the problem is it ended almost all lending. And when the banks aren't lending money, monetary policy doesn't work. There's no multiplying effect without banks lending money. So the Federal Reserve pulled us out of the recession but because of Dodd-Frank, that tended to uh, slow economic growth. Then uh, another thing, aside from the thousands of regulations Obama put on to help, uh, he felt, uh, uh, consumers uh, uh, to not be taken advantage by business, but each of those regulations adds to the cost of business and slows economic growth. Then the uh, Bush tax cuts passed in 2001, which expired in 2011, Obama made them permanent for everybody except the highest income earners. Their taxes went up 10%. And what that did, that gave the wealthy less capital to invest. So you had less capital going into the economy. We have a capital-intensive economy. With less capital, that slows economic growth. So what did Trump do? He gets into office uh, in January of 2017. February and March, he cuts as many regulations as he he possibly could. By April of 2017, the economy is growing at a 3% rate and has stayed above that that rate. Then he convinces Congress in November to cut taxes for all Americans, the middle class, so they have more to spend, and the upper class, so they have more to invest and cut corporate taxes, creating more capital. That tax cut went into effect in January of this year. By April, the economy is growing at a 4% annual rate. So all of the uh, good economic times are due to the high growth rate we're seeing now, and the growth rate is high because Trump reversed reversed all of Obama's policies. Obama has no right to take credit for any of this. 
Absolutely. Sorry very, for the long very, <laughs> No, very well said. Actually, very well said. Um, you know, I, I want to – I don't. I don't want to spend too much more time on this topic. We got to get to the 9/11 uh, conspiracies yep. and different different 9/11 stuff. That's very important. Um, and unless um, Dan or uh, Black Blocks for Trump has any other thoughts, uh, I want to move on. No, let's move on. Okay. Okay, let's talk about 9/11, guys. So I have something really interesting. I have a clip of Donald Trump in 2001. You know, we know Donald Trump is the real estate mogul. He knows everything about buildings. He, he's the guy worldwide that, uh, you know, is the master. Uh, here's an interview of him explaining and trying to basically and, – and I – you know, he has a valid point in a lot of sense, you know, that there were bombs – uh, in the bottom of the building, this was a plan. He thinks this was planned in a lot of ways. I want you guys to hear this. This is interesting. This is from 2001. Uh, you know, I, I believe it was the day it happened. It was live. Uh, one eight. Great, Donald. You, you're probably the best known builder, uh, particularly of, of of great buildings in the city. There's a great deal of question about whether or not the damage. And, and the ultimate destruction of the buildings was caused by the airplanes, by architectural defect, or possibly by bombs or, or aftershocks. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, it was an architectural defect. You know, the World Trade Center was always known as a very, very strong building. Don't forget, that took a big bomb in the basement. Now, the basement is the most vulnerable place because it's your foundation. And it withstood that. And I got to see that area about three or four days after it took place because one of my structural engineers actually took me for a tour because he did the building. And I said, I can't believe it. The building was standing solid, and half of the columns were blown out. I mean, so this was an unbelievably powerful building. Uh, if you know anything about structure, it was one of the first buildings that was built from the outside. The steel, the reason the World Trade Center had such narrow windows, is that in between all the windows, you had the steel on the outside. So you had the steel on the outside of the building. That's why when I first looked, and you had big, heavy I-beams. When I first looked at it, I couldn't believe it, because there was a hole in the steel and this is steel that was you remember the the width of the windows of the world trade center folks i think you you know if you were ever up there they were quite narrow and in between was this heavy steel i said how could a plane even a plane even a 767 or 747 or whatever it might have been how could it possibly go through the steel i happen to think that they had not only a plane but they had bombs that exploded almost simultaneously because i just can't imagine anything being able to go through that wall. Most buildings are built with the steelers on the inside around the elevator shaft. This one was built from the outside, which is the strongest structure you can have, and it was almost just like a, uh, like a can of soup. You know, Donald, we were looking at pictures all morning long of that plane coming into uh, building number two, and when you see that uh, approach the, the far side, and then all of a sudden, within a matter of a millisecond, the explosion pops out the other side. Right. I just think that there was a plane with more than just fuel. I think, obviously, they were very big planes. They were going very rapidly because I was also watching where the plane seemed to be not only going fast, it seemed to be coming down into the building. So it was getting the speed from going downhill, so to speak. Uh, it just seemed to me that to do that kind of destruction is even more than a big plane because you're talking about taking out steel, the heaviest caliber steel that was used on the building. I mean, these buildings were rock solid. And, uh, you know, it's just an amazing, it's an amazing thing. It's, this country is different today 
and and it's going to be different than it ever was for many years to come. Very profound statement and very true. There you have it. I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot to get into, uh, but I want to get everybody's thoughts. I want to start with Dan. Uh, Dan, go ahead. Well, I lived uh, 20 miles due west of the World Trade Center. Okay. <coughs> I'm sorry. Um, of course. I lived 20 miles due west of the World Trade Center. When the and I was actually in the parking lot of my office building when I heard on the radio uh, the first the first plane hit, and um, I, I live in a I lived at that particular time in a, a town called Chatham, New Jersey, which was a commuter town to New York City, and there was a a while when I, I had long term friends who I couldn't get a hold of who were in the Merrill Lynch building, which was right across the street from the World Trade Center, and there was a lot of information we didn't know, and, and I, it, was, it was literally two weeks before I could find out whether these people that I knew were dead or alive, and uh, if, if you didn't go through that experience, I'm, I'm glad you didn't because it's very nerve-wracking, and when you would go into, when they finally let us to go into the city to, to see what was going on, um, my wife and I went in several weekend evenings just to just to go down to the ground zero and pray and 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 talk to people and it was uh, difficult when you would come home from the city because in the parking lots of the commuter train stations you could see cars that had been sitting there for some period of time and you pretty much figured those most big cars belonged to somebody who was killed in the World Trade Center. Uh, we had some 20-some people that in our town were killed, and we had a, a mass memorial service in the gymnasium of our children's grade school. It was a very, very emotional, trying, difficult, agonizing time. Um, and and when I heard one of the gentlemen who I'd known for many, many decades, when I heard his voice, I cried because, I said, you're alive. And that's all I said, you're alive. And that's, he said, yes. And we we got out and we walked up the West Side Highway as the buildings were coming down. And uh, it it just, uh, what, what bothers me, Roy, is that for 18 years, I was a merit badge counselor for the Boy Scouts of America. And the area of expertise I had were in five specific merit badges that are required for Eagle Scout. One of them is citizenship in the nation. It's the study of the Constitution. And i never forget many years later, a young man who was working with me to become an Eagle Scout wrote a letter to the president of the school board in Chatham when the school board no longer decided it was relevant, operative word, relevant, to remember what happened on September 11th. And he wrote to them uh, telling him that that people died. Almost 3,000 people died in in that attack. And why isn't it going to be relevant forever? And he never got an answer back. So I I look at people who want to dismiss 
the World Trade Center and understand that 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 human beings, innocent human beings, were destroyed, murdered in that particular attack, and uh, it was political in nature, and uh, uh, it just was for that for that area of the country, New York. New Jersey, North Jersey, Southern Connecticut, Western Pennsylvania, Eastern Pennsylvania. Devastating, devastating to the psychology of the of the people in that particular community. And I, I was one of those. Yeah, oh, Jesus Christ, I can only imagine. I mean, uh, you know, there's so many different things, though. I want to know your thoughts on what Trump said, though. What do you think about explosives being at the bottom of the building? I'm not smart enough to know. I've seen probably every possible movie and conspiracy theory and all that stuff. You know, there's another conspiracy theory that, quote, there were no Jews killed in the buildings because the Jews got advanced notice that the, 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 the planes were coming and they got them out of the building. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of crazy um, conspiracy theories. I mean, I, I just – I've seen the engineering studies. I've seen the stories done on PBS about the structure and, and the uniqueness of the building and how it was uh, had a tough skin, which Trump talked about, which is true, but also the, the, the structural design of, of once it was weakened, it collapsed in and of itself, and it's exactly, exactly what happened. So I, I, I can't speak to the – I can say to you this. I looked at the film time and time and time again. I did not see any explosions at the base of the tower. Explosions were at the center of the tower where the aircraft went in, and that's where the buildings collapsed from. I don't see, I've never seen any film of bombs exploding at the basement of the World Trade Center. Yeah, Rory, you know what? I don't, I don't think that's exactly what, what Trump meant. I think what he meant was, what he said, uh, because of the exterior structure the, uh, of being steel, the plane should not have so easily penetrated that. I think Trump felt that the people that hijacked the plane had some explosives in the cockpit with them. So when the plane did hit, you saw an instant explosion, and with the uh, bomb that was in there, it was enough to penetrate the steel skin. Um, I think that's what, what Trump meant uh, when he said there was explosives involved. What, what do you think, Mike? What do you think, Michael? I mean, uh, what are your thoughts, buddy? Michael, Black for Trump, leader of Black for Trump. Well, I know. Okay, well, I know it was a, a conspiracy, but of course, um, Valkyrie is designed to make you believe that anybody who believes in conspiracies are stupid or crazy. So, real quick, I know Michael. I Michael, before yes, Michael, I know you're going to say a lot of stuff. Real quick, before you go on your uh, you know, uh, you know, rant real quick. I know you have a lot to say. I just want to say something real quick. Um, and and I love everything you explain. You 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 you, you really know uh, your, your stuff. But um, I do want to say, and something that's very upsetting to me and very uh, misleading and confusing and, and upsetting is how the federal government has lied to us many times. Uh, they have covered several things up. Um, we've, we've seen that we don't have all the facts uh, for the Vegas shooting still a year later. They're hiding documents. 
Uh, they did the same thing with the families from 9-11. They had hid some documents. They weren't sharing some stuff. And the owner of the World Trade Center took out a huge insurance policy, um, like, very shortly before the towers hit. And they collected all that gold from underneath the building shortly before the towers hit. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what to, you know, think at this point. I, I think this is uh, um, insane. I mean, what, you know, what are your thoughts about that, uh, Dr. Bussler? Uh, thoughts about? Uh, I'm sorry, I, you, you were breaking up a little bit. I didn't hear what they said at the end. Okay. Um, did you hear what I said, Dan? Oh, oh you, you you were talking about conspiracy conspiracy theories. Um, yeah. I, I I haven't heard any of that. well actually I've heard some of those uh, and it's so hard to tell um, what's factual and what just somebody is uh, surmising based on some of the clues that that they've seen. Um, I think the explanation that's out there that you know this was a terrorist act uh, certainly well planned uh, with a right. it was easier back then to be able to. Uh, get on an, an airplane and have nearly what we have today. Uh, so right. it's easier for them. I think, um, you know, somebody figured out, look, we can use a passenger airplane essentially as a missile. Uh, and, you know, we train people uh, to be suicide bombers anyway, uh, so they should yeah. be prepared to give up their lives. So right. it made a lot of sense. All you had to do was uh, get a weapon on board and maybe even some uh, explosive material on board. Um, hijack the the cockpit and uh, make sure you have somebody who knows how to fly an airplane and then uh, aim the airplane where where you want it to hit. They hit the the towers that day. They hit the Pentagon. uh, And the other one would have hit except the, uh, you know, guys uh, in the plane managed to crash the plane in Pennsylvania. Uh, So that that seems to all make sense. I don't know about any of the conspiracies. Well, what about all of these, right. you know, what about all these stories? And, and, Dan, I want you to speak on this and then leaders of Black for Trump. But what about all these just crazy stuff about, you know, uh, there was never, you know, a plane found in the fields of Pennsylvania, which, you know, there were some residents that said there was never a plane. There was just a giant hole, and some, some people said they could not find the plane. And what about the Pentagon? You know, uh, there were numerous reports that that there was never a plane officially shown uh, uh, hitting the Pentagon. If you if you know if you recall, I mean, it was kind of. But obviously, the World Trade Center thing was visible. I think the American government set this whole thing up, and I don't think that everything is true. Like I think a lot of, I think what happened in Shanksville. I think there's something off about the story, and I think the Pentagon thing. Because I watched a clip the other day of a reporter in front of the Pentagon, and they only showed this once, but it basically shows no plane, just like a small little hole in the Pentagon. Like, so what What are we supposed to believe? I mean, you know, we never really, like I said, had official photos from the Pentagon, or, um, you know, I, I, there wasn't really anything from Shanksville either. I mean, what are your thoughts, Dan? Well, first of all, the Shanksville, it is, it's, it is very common, very common, when there is a plane disaster for the government to come in and take the plane, take it to a hangar or a facility, try and reconstruct it as best they can for what debris they can recapture, 
in order to try and figure out what caused the trash. So the right. idea that they never found the plane, that doesn't hold water with me. Uh, my uh, my uh, daughter-in-law worked in Washington, D.C. at the time, and they were walking home, and they had to walk over the <clears throat> over the Abraham Lincoln Bridge. Yeah, into 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 Virginia, and they 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 had to get channeled because of the the uh, to go a different way uh, because of the bombing of the uh, the attack on the uh, on the Pentagon. Uh, I never asked her if she saw a plane. Um, you know, it's it we, we can spend we can spend enormous amounts of time to discussing the viability of conspiracy theories going back to the Lincoln assassination, which I'm writing about now, or the Kennedy assassination, or whatever. But I don't think, Roy, I really don't think it's a productive use of our time. I think it's more important to understand that 3,000 Americans were killed in an act of terrorism, and it changed our country. Forever. Yeah, but I, I get that. But at the same time, you have to hold people accountable. And I right. really, you know, I was not, I was not a fan of the Bush administration. And I, you know, you got Donald Rumsfeld, you got Dick Cheney, you got these lunatics. And you know what? They made the Republican Party look like a clown show. I'm sorry. And I'm a, I'm a Republican. You know what? Bush made a lot of mistakes. But you know, I want to go back into this real quick which is very important, is that there is no way in hell that, you know, the American government did not know this was going to happen. I mean, this, is, this was planned. There's no way because you look at Osama bin Laden. I believe he was just a fall guy. I believe he had a part in it. I don't think he was the, I don't think he was the main – maybe he was one of the main orchestrators, but in a lot of ways I think he was the fall guy. I think they needed to do that in order to create a narrative for uh, the audience to believe. But I think there was so much more to the story that we don't know. These people were perfectionists at flying into the buildings. I mean, these people, these terrorists, and I strongly believe these terrorists were colliding with the, uh, were colluding with the American government. And I, I believe some of this shit. Because there is so many red flags when you look at 9/11 and you look at what happened. Yeah, but I mean, there are so many unanswered. You have to understand. You have to understand. I mean, I appreciate your passion and your concern, and it's and it's admirable. But just let me give you a couple of quick facts. When Bill Clinton was president of the United States, he purposely, purposely dissolved any communications infrastructure from the intelligence gathering agencies in the United States. They were prohibited, prohibited from talking about whatever they discovered. There was no sharing of information between the CIA and the FBI and the NSA. None of it was shared. None of it was shared. And that clearly came out in in the hearings that there was a Huge lack of sharing of information. So, in a sense, Roy, I will agree with you that there were probably factions of our government who had a pretty good idea that something nasty was coming and maybe even right. a bombing. 
but they were recall- prohibited from sharing the information with other parts of the government. And when Bush Bush 41, when the hearing were done, yeah. Bush 41 changed, 43, excuse me, he changed the rules of engagement that required these agencies to talk to each other. But what happened, Roy, what happened when Barack Obama came in the office? They dissolved them all again. Yeah. The Democrats did not want the information to be shared, not about right. the specific terrorists, but they don't want terrorist information shared between right. the various agencies of the government. I don't know to this day why. I just know Clinton put them in place. Bush 43 got rid of them after the bombing, and Barack Obama brought them back. Something fundamentally wrong there. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's a really big thing that, you know, a lot of people don't talk about is the Pentagon was hit one day after Rumsfeld gave a press conference saying they lost over $2 trillion with a T. And also, don't forget that the CIA director's former uh, he investment firm placed a $10 million put option on an Amer- put option on American Airline One a week before 9/11. So I mean, there's all these different. I don't know. There's different things. I mean, why why is all the government you know hiding all these different files? I and mean, we we will never know. I mean, a lot of these a lot of these questions. <laughs> yes, we will. That's why Trump is there. Doctor Mike, Doctor Bustler, I want you to speak on this. Uh, well, um, you know, there's uh, everything uh, Dan, Dan was saying uh, was was true. There was certainly a, a lack of communication, so there may have been some information that didn't get between agencies. And you're right, Bush uh, fixed that, and you're right again, uh, Obama un- unfixed it. Um, I, I certainly hope that there wasn't uh, a conspiracy by anybody in the government to do this, because this is just a, a horrible event that changed the course of history and changed so many people's lives. Um, I would like to believe that the American government really had nothing to do with it and just reacted to it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's Mike, Michael, leader of the blacks for Trump. Go ahead real quick. Okay, well, I know that the government did know their agents are the Israelites, East Indian Advertisers. Hillary, like they said, she <laughs> did set up ISIS. So um, everybody don't want to believe it because they, they don't want to be seen as racist. And so we let them get away with, with murder. But let me tell you, Valkyrie was created in 1944 when the Joint Chiefs of Staff was created by, uh, what's his name, um, not J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover was in charge of it, but Franklin Delano Roosevelt put, put it into play when they felt like he was going to die. They thought he was going to rule forever, and when it became apparent that he was going to die, they created the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which then created a group called Valkyrie, whose job it was to keep the Democrats in control, even if a Republican got in. And the three prongs they used was, oh, he doesn't pay taxes, or, oh, he he commit, he broke some kind of crazy law. He's a communist, or he he did this or he did that, or the next and the last thing they use is the sex scandal, and that's exactly what they've done to all seven of the Republican presidents who were after Franklin Delano Roosevelt. 
like they're doing yeah. to Trump right now. They did it to Bush, and 9-11 was, was his crime to cause him to do other crimes so they can get him and nullify him. This group is called Valkyrie, and you can look this up. They were created in 1944. Their secret name, and they put it right on TV in your face, they were called the Men in Black. And their whole job was to keep themselves in control. Republican presidents don't even know they exist. But they are what you call the deep state, and you can go look all of this up. They have it in the wide, they have it wide open because they can't imagine you would ever want to understand or know about, about it. I only found out about it because Yahweh Ben Yahweh was in the Air Force, which is the intelligence side of the of the um, the five uh, fact, uh, five uh, points of the military, and he was in the Air Force, and he sat under the one of the five star generals, and I, who I had the pleasure to meet one time at a, in a restaurant in, in the eighties, early eighties, while walking with him. And y'all, I mean, y'all said he was the spook that sat behind the door. He knew what they were doing because he had to write the protocols for it. And and he was one of their tactical trainers and teachers. And I I remember how the general said, boy, you are the mo- one of the most intelligent men I ever met. And he said, how did you come up with all of those things you wrote? And but the bottom line, of what I'm saying is that he exposed me to it. So now we I know they exist. They're like little impotent kids. Jed Hoover and Comey are the exact same people. They did that to destroy Bush's presidency so that they could remain in control. And they did it with the Ishmaelites because they're all a part of the conspiracy to keep themselves in control, even if a Republican gets in, so that they can live for free off of us, off of our tax dollars, while we're all working. And then we sit around acting like kids who don't know what happened, when everything is openly obvious that they had to know, they did know Osama was them. Hillary owned ISIS. She killed Gaddafi and created ISIS. So don't act like you, you don't understand what's going on. Valkyrie is the group that is doing it. And y'all, y'all got it in the back of his book called You're Not a Nigger, page 184. <laughs> From Whoa. the Freedom of Information Act, where it says that J. Edgar Hoover actually made the statement that we would control the government by creating dossiers to come up with reasons to, to, to infiltrate and overthrow, where well, it said black organizations, but Yahweh told me personally that meant Republican and black organizations, anything that would keep them out of control. Because after the Civil War, they couldn't win any more elections. So Rockefeller and Rothschild got together with the trilateralists and crashed the economy and then put Franklin Delano Roosevelt in there under the guise of the New Deal, when black people for the first time in history voted for Democrats. And they gave him eight extra years. And when it became apparent he was going to die, they had an Arcadian convention, you can look that up, in Europe where they came up with Valkyrie. The first Valkyrie they tried to do in Germany was in that movie where that guy played the guy with the one eye and no hand. Um, he tried to blow up Hitler so he could do the same exact thing in Germany. It failed there, but they didn't have to kill the leader here in America because the leader was alive and his name was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So he created the Joint Chiefs of Staff 
and the Joint Chiefs of Staff then created Valkyrie. So y'all look that up, and then we'll know and stop playing games and being little kids and don't want to see it. And monkeys, monkey, you don't see, you don't know what the hell is happening. You know what the hell is happening. The Democrats are running the country, even when a Republican is in charge. This is the first president that the Bible said would come, and he said he would be Cyrus. And here he is to deliver us. He is the conqueror. He is conquering all of them. Kim Jong-un, Japan, China, Russia. He's going around country to country conquering them. You don't have to actually hit them this time because they know we can whoop any one of their behinds with, any, with no problem. <clears throat> Russia doesn't have but one, one or two ships. We can blow them out, the, out of the sky at the very thought of it. It's just that our, our white Gentiles, you know, they don't want to call the war. Listen, stop being scared. Gird up your loins like a man, and let's whoop their ass. So we got the only way to win this year, we got to get all of the king's horses and all of the king's men, that's the Congress and the senators in, and then we can go and destroy this so-called deep state, which is really Valkyrie, okay? And then when we destroy them, weed them out, We'll be in control forever with the white man and the black man in unity. Nobody can whoop our ass. My name is Michael, the black man. Black for Trump, baby. Very well said. Stay on, stay on the line, though, Michael. Very well said. I love it. We're going to do this, too. We're going we're gonna to get this done. Um, I do want to bring something up, which I think is, uh, you know, brilliant. Um, and, you know, a good friend of mine, Joe Arpaio, actually recommended this a long time ago, but now Trump is uh, pursuing it, which is great, uh, putting military on the border, security, and to help build the wall, um, and, and putting the military over the border as well in Mexico to prevent the, uh, the drug trafficking, the, um, you know, the sex trafficking, all the different cartel members, uh, just dirty stuff. I think, there's, I think there's a lot of good stuff. What are your thoughts on this, Dan? Well, I have I had written uh wow um when Trump first started talking about the wall yeah if if you look at where we have troops military troops deployed around the world yeah in in North in South Korea Germany yeah yeah in other places yeah we could redeploy those resources yep. to secure the border, the southern border with active duty military and rotate them through just like we do with any other group of soldiers to different places around the world. We could yeah. use the National Guard as we're, we use them in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. And we can, we can put an active and, and let the military and all of its resources uh, take over the responsibility of, of manning the border. Uh, and I wrote about this, as I said, uh, while Trump was campaigning that we should be doing this. And uh, I saw an article last week, which may be the same article that you saw, Roy, was how um, the, the president has discretion over the Defense Department budget. And I thought about that when I read that article, and I'm saying, am I going to give Trump enough credit? Because look what he did in the last omnibus bill. He got the secure funding for the Department of Defense for the balance of this fiscal year and the next fiscal year. 
So he, in essence, he, he may have pulled a fast one on the Congress. I don't know. I may be giving him too much credit. But if, in fact, he's going to redeploy <laughs> assets, redeploy right. assets to build the wall, if Congress right. won't pass it, he's coming out of the Department of Defense, and under his responsibility as the commander-in-chief of the military, his first yeah. responsibility is protection of the American people and the protection of right. the borders. So he Absolutely. may get the wall built out of the Department of Defense budget. And Do- Dr. Bustler, <laughs> D- Dr. Bustler, you're you're an economist, you're an economic economic expert. What is your standpoint uh, from this in a financial aspect? I mean, wh- where do you what do you see what do you see? Well, <clears throat> well, first of all, the the wall is is very expensive. If anybody can build it and keep the numbers to hell, it's President Trump. Um, I think to use defense dollars to build the wall, um, he has to justify it by saying it is a national um, defense issue. Now, I think he could argue that, but um, Congress controls spending, uh, so I'm not sure uh, how he's going to be able to get some of that some of that through. Um, but I, uh, certainly, uh, if he could use the military, that would be a, a much less expensive way of building a wall. And you're right, we have uh, soldiers located all around the world defending all these countries, uh, and the countries don't pay us anything for that defense. Uh, so to redeploy some of those, it certainly might make a little sense. And if you look at if you look at the cost of the wall, it's only nine billion with a B. We have a trade deficit with Mexico at fifty nine or fifty eight billion or something. It's a lot, or it's a lot more than that. But it's it's about that. It's yeah. about fifty eight billion somewhere around there. Um, but anyways, you, like we talked about on the show, we can get this money back and get reimbursed in a subtle business manner, like Trump can make any sort of economic deal with Mexico because they need us more than we need them. And that sort of, uh, you know, can cover the wall. If you look at what Trump can do in certain terms of trade, in terms of the other stuff, I mean, uh, you know, our meat, uh, you know, just different things that Mexico badly needs. I mean, there's a lot of things. What do you think? Can I say something? Yeah, there's oh, – oh, go ahead. You know, go ahead, Dr. Dr. Yeah, Buster, go ahead, and then I'll let leader the Black for Trump go. I, I was just going to say also there's a lot of financial aid that the U.S. gives to Mexico uh, in addition to all these other economic benefits that, that they get. Um, so I think when Trump said uh, Mexico will pay for the wall, um, I think yeah. he meant it in that there will be some of the money we would have given them in aid will go to pay for the wall, uh, right. some of the money that will – uh, pick up through these trade agreements, may go to pay for the wall. So although uh, Mexico is not going to physically write a check, uh, they will end up uh, paying for it, and I believe Trump will be able to, to pull that one off. Right. No, I, no absolutely. Um, you know, and uh, I'm a leader, leader of Blacks with Trump. Michael, go ahead. Your thoughts. Okay. Oh, wait, got, um, yeah. Try and do it. Try and do it in one minute. We've got one, one last topic before we go. Okay, well, I think that um, the Bible says that Isaiah 60, 18 says, Build me a wall, great, and have to be a border unto my land. And all nations will say, come help, let us help you build this wall. And then Ezekiel 38, 1 through 11 says that in the, the enemy will say, come and let us go into the unwalled cities so that we may pillage them and destroy them. 
So we right, return right. to our ways of our father, Malachi 4, 1 through 8 says, right. if we don't return to the laws of our God, then we'll be destroyed. So right. once Trump gets gets his men in, his congressmen and senators, yes. what we got to concentrate on right now is getting the yes. Congress and the senators in yes. so that then Trump can implement this easily and we can get the money and then we'll make yes. them pay us back. And that's yep, how you exactly. do it. Because we gotta that's get that. our we gotta get our people and all this conversation ain't gonna work until we get all of the king's horses and all the king's men in. Mike, I do Mike, I do have to, Mike, I do have to interrupt Mike. Mike, I do have to interrupt you. We, oh, we yeah, only I'm have a couple minutes. I'm finished. We only have a couple minutes left, but stay on the line. Um last thing, Doctor Buckler, I do really want to get to. Jim Carrey went nuts the other night on went nuts the other night on Joe Mars saying everyone should accept socialism which I think is absolutely ridiculous. And he's just, it's a typical Hollywood left-wing stunt. It's so stupid. Your thoughts, though? Yeah, the worst thing we can do for this country is to have that attitude. Um, with exactly. socialism, you essentially want the government to take care of you. Yeah, uh, and what that means is that um, people that go out and earn money uh, are going to have to give a big chunk of it in taxes to enable the government to take care of people. The result is always um, stagnation in the economy, less opportunity for uh, people, um, and um, what ultimately people end up feeling like they're victims of their own life because they lose a lot of the freedom uh, that would normally you'd normally have in a, a, a non-socialistic society. With the government paying for things, the government gets to control things. And that's not yeah, right. the principles that this country was founded upon and the principles that enabled us to go from a birth of a nation. It took about 150 years to go from a birth of a nation to the most powerful, prosperous country because we valued uh, freedom, especially individual freedoms, uh, and low taxation and a, a small world for government. That's exactly opposite to socialism. Socialism would be a disaster for this country. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Jim Carrey is a total total hypocrite. Hey, Jim, why don't you hand over your money first, and then let's talk. I mean, these people are such lunatics, and, and they want to basically tell others how to live their lives, but they don't want to do it themselves. It's, it's ridiculous. If you see how big Michael Moore's house is, it's as big as it's as big as he is. But listen, <laughs> I'm just, but, I'm just, but, uh, but last thoughts, Dan. Then we got to go. Yeah, I th- I think that that the the history of socialism in the world, yep, is that every generation that comes in thinking that socialism is the cu- is the cure has always had the same mantra, and that is. Well, the previous generation just didn't know how to do it. We do. Right. Yep. And they haven't proven it. Just look at Venezuela. No, I, yeah, exactly. Look at Venezuela. Look at all these countries that have suffered. Socialism is the same thing as communism. We've said it many times. Uh, they just don't want to use the word communism because they know it scares people. But it, it is communism. <laughs> Socialism is no different. Um, but it, it's, yeah. it's disgraceful because you see people like Bernie Sanders. That Bernie Sanders is Jewish and he wants communism. It's the same thing that killed millions of his own people. It's disgraceful when you see a lot of what these political people 
believe in and what they're going after. Um, unfortunately, guys, we are out of time. Uh, we've had a fantastic show, though. I want to thank all of you for coming on. Um, I want you all to advertise your stuff real quick. Dr. Bussler, go ahead where people can find your stuff. Uh, you can read my columns on Facebook. Uh, the, co- the column's called uh, uh, Funding Democracy, the Economics of Freedom. So it's facebook.com forward slash funding democracy. Excellent. And Dan Perkins, it's danperkins.guru, correct, where they can find all your stuff? You got it. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. And, and Bleeders of Black for Trump, go ahead. Um, God2.com. God, the number two, dot com. You can go see all of my videos and where you can get my T-shirts, Blacks for Trump 2020. And um, I, and, I'll, and give donations to help us get around the country with Trump. Absolutely. Sounds good. We appreciate all of our guests tonight. Um, I want to thank all of you for coming on, guys. Thank okay, you. take Thanks. care. Have a good you one. Too. Yeah. Excellent guests tonight. Um, they are fabulous. Uh, I, I want to thank all of them. Um, we've had a fantastic show. And, uh, you know, I can't thank uh, my audience enough. I mean, we are now in 14 different countries. Uh, it's fantastic. The, the the show just keeps getting better and better. Um, the stuff I didn't get to tonight, I'll get to tomorrow. Please visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Again, that's thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. You can also visit rorysodder.tv. Um, we will be back with you tomorrow, everybody. I want to thank all my sponsors, all my audience, and all of my special guests tonight. Uh, we've had a great time, and God bless. Um, all the families in uh, 9-11, and uh, please say a prayer for everybody that is going through this horrific hurricane coming up. Uh, I'm Rory Sauter. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. Have a great night. See you tomorrow, everybody. Cheers.